pass away But there's something about that name Let the worshipers arise Let the sons and the daughters see I surrender in my all I surrender to the King Father, I can see that you were drawing A line in the sand And I want to be standing on your side Holding your hand so let your kingdom come Let it live in me This is my prayer This is my plea Worshippers arise Let the sons and the daughters sing I surrender in my all I surrender to the King. Sing that chorus again. Oh, let the worshipers arise. Let the sons and the daughters sing. I surrender in my own. I surrender to I see that you were drawing a line in the sand And I want to be standing on your side Holding your hand So let your kingdom come Let it live in me This is my prayer This is my plea Let the worshipers arise Let the sons and the daughters sing I surrender in my all I surrender to the King Oh, one more time now Oh, let the worshipers arise Let the sons and the daughters sing I surrender in my all I surrender to And I promise you we're going to learn that song before it's over with. I don't want to be the only one singing it in my car. <laughs> so we're going to learn that. We're going to get it right. I mean, he's glad to be in the house of the Lord this morning. Amen. Amen. Me too. Such a beautiful day outside. So wonderful the, that the Lord has given us 
lots of turmoil and things going on around, but it's just such a peace and comfort here. Such a wonderful, such a wonderful thing to know that we have a refuge to come to. Let's just sing that. Um, we are together again. Same, same key. We're together again, just praising the Lord. We are together again, in one accord. Something good is going to happen. Something good is in store. We're together again. Just praising the Lord We are together again Just praising the Lord We are together again In one accord Something good is going to happen Something good is in store We're together again Just praising the Lord Oh, sing it again now We're together again Just praising the Lord We're together again In one accord Something Something good is in store We're together again Just praising the Lord One more time Oh, we're together again Just praising the Lord We're together again In one accord Something Something good is in store We're together again Just praising the Lord Give the Lord a hand clap of praise Amen I know the ones running the uh, sound booth and all back there They go into panic mode when they see me come out here And I can totally understand You never know what you're going to get So I appreciate those guys back there. I was thinking about Brother Larry earlier this week. I just had him on my my mind, and he this was one of his favorite songs, and it's uh, truly uh, where we are this day and time. And he he loved this song, and I just like to sing it this morning. I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. Let's try to key of D. How many's living by faith this morning? Amen. <clears throat> I'm living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, confiding in His great love. Oh, from all harm's not 
today what tomorrow may bring if shadow or sunshine or rain the lord i know ruleth for everything and all of my worry is vain oh i'm living by faith in jesus above trusting Confiding in His great love Oh, from all harm saved In sheltering arms I'm living by faith And I feel no May blow and the storm clouds arise, obscuring the brightness of life. Oh, I'm never alarmed at the overcast skies. The master looks on at the strife, and I'm living by faith in Jesus above. Trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in sheltering arms. And I'm living by faith and I feel no He safely will carry me through, no matter what evils betide. Why should I then care, though the tempest may blow, if Jesus walks close to my side? And I'm living by faith in Jesus above, trusting, Confiding in His great love Oh, from all harm saved In a sheltering arms And I'm living by faith And I feel no To this earth some sweet day Our troubles will then all be o'er The Master so gently will lead us away Beyond that blessed heavenly shore And I'm living by faith In Jesus above Trusting, confiding in His great love. From all harm safe in His sheltering arms, I'm living by faith, and I feel no alarm. From a 
safe. Oh, I'm from all harm safe. Any sheltering on, and I'm living by faith, and I feel no Before we sing this next song, Hold to God's Unchanging Hand, I just want to share a real quick testimony with you. Uh, a couple uh, months ago, I had uh, told you all that uh, the doctors had uh, sent me some pictures of x-rays and ultrasounds of uh, the, the liver when I had had cirrhosis and, and that there was no sign of cirrhosis left in the liver. We had the statements compared side by side and just another testimony that after blood work and tests again this past week, that verdict is still the same. They're still no, still healed. Amen. Live by faith and feel no alarm. God is so good to us, saints. And we're coming down to the end. We need to hold on to His unchanging hand. Amen. We're getting close. We are closer than you realize. And I just want to make sure that I am perfectly lined up with where He wants me to be. Let's sing this song. <clears throat> Time is filled with swift transition. None of earth unmoved can stand. So build your hopes on things eternal and hold to God's unchanging hand oh just hold to God's unchanging hand hold to God's unchanging hand so be changing hands just trust in him who will not leave you hallelujah do is hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, hold to God's unchanging hand. Just be is completed think about it now if to God you 
have been true. Fair and bright, the home in glory. Your enraptured soul will view. Now all you do is hold to God's unchanging hand. Hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, build your hopes on things eternal and hold. Changing hand. Oh, one more time now. All you gotta do is hold to God's unchanging hand. Oh, hold to God's unchanging hand. Just build your hopes on things eternal. Unchanging hand. Oh, hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus. Oh, hallelujah. Saints, you're singing like you're ready to get out of here this morning. So we slow down here just a little bit, change the order of the service before we take these prayer requests. Let's just sing this chorus. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. We are certainly a needy people. I need you, Lord. I need you, Lord, right now. Oh, I need you, Lord. I need you, I lift my hands, I bow my knees, I worship at your throne. I need you, Lord, I need you, Lord, right it like this now. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. Oh, we need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. our hands and bow our knees and worship at your throne. We need you, Lord. We need you, Lord, right now. 
take these needs before the Lord this morning. Amen. We want to continue to uh, remember uh, Sister Connie and Brother Troy Hughes. Um, that the Lord would uh, just continue to touch Sister Connie in her recovery and touch Brother Troy. From what I understand, he's he's gotten down himself as well. Also, we want to uh, remember a Haven and Hope Pritchard in prayer. Amen. We want to continue to remember uh, Sister Laura Collins from Edmonton that's uh, battling the cancer. We want to remember the Pew family and uh, David and Hannah Whitlock as they are traveling back from Florida. Uh, remember uh, Tyler this morning also. He's traveling back from Texas. Um, we want to remember uh, Brother Matt Cross as he's away today. We have a request here that says, Please remember my sister-in-law uh, in prayer. Her parents are failing in health and asking for direction. That's from Brother Andy. I'd also like for you to remember uh, my wife Sarah and uh, daughter Ashley. Uh, they're both sick um, this morning. And it seems like since Ashley has been working at the... Uh, the daycare center she's uh picking up things that uh, we've never even heard of before and and um, my wife is uh kind of weak in her immune system anyway so it just really gets her down so just remember those in prayer we want to continue to remember sister sharon she's recovering also and i know there's many needs among us this morning how many's got unspoken requests uplifting of your hands amen let's remember our pastor in prayer this morning also let's remember to pray for each other Amen. Brother Aaron, if you would come take these requests before the Lord this morning. Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, we come before your throne this afternoon, Lord. We know that unless the Lord watches over a city, they watch in vain those that watch over the city. Father, our security is not in nuclear bombs. Our security is not in the military. Our security is in Jehovah. And this afternoon, Father, we are coming to you, Lord, trusting and believing, oh God, in the finished work of Calvary. We believe that the blood of Jesus Christ is still sufficient this morning. Father, we remember Sister Collins in Edmonton, Canada, who has been battling cancer, oh God. Father, we are standing, oh God, as a, as a, as a, as a priest. Father, just offering our intercession on behalf of our sister. We pray for her, O oh God, that Lord Jesus Christ, you may heal her completely from that sickness. We know, Father, that all things are possible to them that believe. And Lord Jesus Christ, you gave us the keys. You said whatsoever thing you shall ask in my name, believing. Father, we believe on behalf of our sister, O oh God. Father, we know that, O oh God, in such moments, you become so weak, Father. And it takes, O oh God, the next brother, the next sister to pray for, for you. Father, I just feel, Lord Jesus Christ, this afternoon, just praying for her, Lord, that you touch her, O oh God. And all these uh, prayer requests that we have here, the preachers, the youths, and the different ones, which, which have different prayer request. We believe that you are still the same, the same in power, the same in principle, the same in everything except your corporal body because the bride is your corporal body at this hour. We thank you, Father. We commit this service into your hands. May the great Holy Spirit anoint the service. May you, O God, begin with the preacher. Father, may there be such an atmosphere that your spirit may have the preeminence among us, O God. May you take away, Father, every doubt. Lord Jesus Christ, 
Christ, every worry, every demon that may stop your children from hearing your word. We pray for the backsliders. We pray, Father, for the new ones. We pray for those that are on the borderline. May you touch them this afternoon, Lord. We commit everything into your hands. In the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We want to welcome all of our visitors here today. It's good to have uh, Brother Paul and Sister Emily with us here this morning. It's great to have the Swaffords back with us this morning. Glad to see you all and all the visitors that's here. We welcome each and every one of you. Let's sing this old song uh, before we go on. That uh, I feel like traveling on. Um, I had this song. Uh, let's try it in the key of F. Those of you that remember Brother James, you know, I wasn't thinking about dead people this week, but I just had some of these saints on my mind, and, and uh, Brother James, you know, was just always, he was a special person, and he would sing a special every now and then, and he always sung this song, and I liked this song. It says, I feel like traveling on. So let's just sing this in honor of Brother James this morning. My heavenly home is bright and fair, I feel like traveling on. No pain nor death can enter there, I feel like traveling on. Oh yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on My heavenly home is bright and fair I feel like traveling on It's glittering towers, the sun outshine I feel like traveling on That heavenly mansion shall be Traveling on, oh yes, I feel like traveling. Oh, I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. The Lord has been so good to me. I feel like traveling on Until that blessed home I see I feel like traveling on Oh yes, I feel like traveling on I feel like traveling on My heavenly home is bright and fair I feel like traveling on let's sing this one again the Lord has been so good to me I feel like traveling on until that blessed home I see I feel like traveling on Oh, yes, I feel like traveling on. I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Oh, yes, 
Yes, I feel like traveling. Oh, I feel like traveling on. My heavenly home is bright and fair. I feel like traveling on. Amen. Has the Lord truly been good to you? Amen. Just before we have Brother Barry um, come out, um, most everybody here has got one of these. And I just want to pass this message along in, in total love from uh, our deacons and from our pastor. Um, there is a feature on here that's uh, called uh, airplane mode. You might want to turn that on when you come in here or just turn them off sometimes just the little silence thing on the side doesn't work because as we found out last sunday amber alerts get pushed through and when you got a crowd of people together and an amber alert goes off like that and it's awful quiet you find out who was sleeping and who was not i'm not going to say who's guilty and who wasn't but let's let's reverence the house of the lord and, you know, I understand that, that there are situations where you have to, you know, you, you, you have to keep in touch maybe with a situation that's going on at home or whatever. But let's remember where we are. And uh, uh, Satan will take every opportunity that he can to rob somebody of, of something that God's got in store for them. And it could be just a simple little distraction like that that could cause a disruption that might prevent somebody from getting something that the Lord has in store. So if you would, just be respectful and uh, turn your phones off. And I know the pastor will greatly appreciate it, as will the deacons. Uh, everybody still love me? Everybody still love the deacons? Still love our pastor? How many loves the Lord? Amen. Amen. Let's all stand. We'll have our ushers come at this time. Uh, receive our morning tithe and offering. <clears throat> Brother Tom, if you would pray over the offering. Amen. As Brother Barry comes, let's just sing this song, I exalt thee, I exalt thee, O Lord. I exalt thee.
Sing it like you mean it, all right? We know the words. The words are really not complicated. Let's just sing it to him now and make him feel welcome. That's the important thing. It's great to see everybody, but we want to make him feel welcome. So let's do that this morning. I want everybody to sing. You are worthy. Yes, you are worthy. Tell him now from your heart. Thank you, Lord. Oh, you are worthy. Oh, Lord. Yes, you are worthy. You are worthy. this morning just if you don't mind just hold that uh, atmosphere this morning and we're going to go to the Lord in prayer as we begin this morning um, <clears throat> I wanted to ask you to remember two things here today number one uh, brother uh, Donnie Reagan uh, texted me this morning and asked if we would remember his daughter Erica in prayer she's going through a um, series of treatments again and we would ask you just to hold her up uh, before the Lord this morning also as well um, Brother Keith mentioned Laura Collins, and Sister Laura uh, is uh, uh, in Edmonton, Alberta. We've been praying for her, and this was the request that I was given this morning, uh, that she's fully in the hands of the Lord, and uh, all the doctors and nurses have done all they can. Her body is failing fast, and her only hope is a complete miracle. But we serve a God who is more than able. How many believe that? And who knows the feeling of our infirmities. And there's no better place to put our trust than in him. And so that's the prayer of the family this morning. And uh, if you don't mind, let's join our hearts together uh, today. Heavenly Father, as we bow in your presence this morning, Lord, and we would just like to say that we are so blessed, Lord, to be able to come into your presence today. And to be able, Lord, to just sense your nearness and how, Lord, you have so many things I believe you would want to say to us. Father, we bring all of our requests and our needs before you today because you taught us to do exactly that, Lord, to cast our cares upon you because you care for us. 
We can never overwhelm you. We can never bring too many things. We can never knock on your door too loudly. But Lord, you encourage us to come. And when that centurion, Lord, said the thing that he did to you, that only speak the word of my servant would be healed. And Lord, you were pleased with the way he pressed through and and made that petition known unto you. And so today, Lord, we bind our faith together when we press through to your presence, Lord, today and reach for the hem of your garment as you pass by and allow the healing virtue of God to flow through those who need it here today and those who are listening and those, Lord, who are in serious condition. We pray for them and ask, O God, that you would be gracious and merciful to your people. Have your way, Lord, we pray. Take every spirit under your control. We wait upon you. We look to you, Lord, and we trust in you today and ask, O God, that you would take complete control now for your glory. We ask it in the name of Jesus Christ and for your glory. Amen. Amen and amen. Praise the Lord. You may be seated this morning. We're going to let you take your seats there. And uh, I wanted to just give you a little... uh, couple of items that I wanted to pass along to you today. Musicians, that'll be fine. You can take your places there. And um, <clears throat> just trust that all of you have come expecting today. It's certainly great to see all of our visitors here today, our young people. And, well, it's great to have Mr. and Mrs. Coffee here today, all the way back from the Indian Ocean. Lucas and Haley, glad to have you here. And uh, we've been praying for you. And and uh, glad to have you today. So God bless you. Uh, we are um, we're missing Tyler today too. He was down in Texas getting some of these things, and uh, so we miss him today. And uh, he will be back as well as the pews. We uh, heard from them this morning as well. I had a little note from uh, Brother Smith this morning, and uh, he passes this along here. He said, uh, Sister Mary is in less pain because of the uh, ablation uh, therapy that she's gone through. And then they do what's called trigger point injections, and uh, that has really helped her. So she's still uh, dealing with that, but that's improved. But uh, the thing that I I guess is heaviest on Sister Mary is the loss of her uh, son and daughter-in-law. And um, we've had, uh, Brother Smith says, we've had wonderful cards and visits and food and things from the people, which is a blessing. And uh, he said, it's truly a blessing to be a part of HBT. And uh, he said, we've been receiving blessings. They listened faithfully to listening this morning and uh, listening faithfully to the services. And they were just talking about the the things that they've learned and and, uh, heard and so forth over the last little while. So uh, they wanted to pass along their personal greetings to you all. And uh, we surely do miss them for sure. I've been in contact with the brothers uh, over in Ukraine. Uh, there's many, many believers in Ukraine, many believers in Poland, uh, which is uh, the biggest NATO country that's right next to Ukraine and many of the other uh, nations that are surrounding Ukraine. And uh, there are uh, great needs among them, and partly because uh, much of the work in Ukraine has ground to a halt uh, because they conscripted everybody who was on the street. If you had two legs and you were breathing, Uh, They picked you up and put you in a uniform and put you in the army. And so the whole country, in a sense, is mobilized to, uh, you know, be able to withstand a possible attack or a possible uh, insurrection there. So uh, there's there's great concern among the people there, and the pastors are really hurting. So I sent some 
funds on our behalf over to some of the pastors there. And uh, I stay very close in contact with Brother Sergei Lizanov, who is uh, in Ohio. And uh, he's able to channel that money directly to some of the pastors there so they can help their people and uh, be able to minister to them. And so um, uh, if you don't mind remembering them in prayer, I will guarantee you that uh, the best source uh, for information is not the media. A lot of things that are being put out there are, are you know, counter messages and counter counter messages and all kinds of things. It, it is just simply a situation that I think, uh, for me, the way I look at it, I, I just uh, believe that the best thing we can do is pray for the believers who are in that area and are going to be more directly affected. We'll all be affected by any, uh, any global conflict. We'll all be affected. But in that particular region, uh, they will certainly be affected over there. So it would be great for you to remember them in prayer. Uh, we have a baptizing today. Henry Coffey is going to be baptized today, and we're excited for Henry uh, right after church. And uh, anybody else that uh, you know has it on their heart to be baptized, it'd be a great day uh, to do that. February 22nd is the Clavels anniversary, and uh, we certainly do appreciate the Clavels, and may God bless them. Uh, we wish them a great anniversary on the 22nd, February 24th, uh, Sister Judy Arnold's uh, birthday. And uh, we've never, you'd never met Sister Judy Arnold here, but our online, part of our online congregation are very, uh, they're very wonderful people, very dedicated people, and we appreciate them very much. Uh, and uh, Sister Judy, we wish you a happy birthday upcoming. Also as well, Runya Yaro Nengamaza has her birthday on February 26th, right? Second birthday? First birthday. Best year of her life, she told me. And uh, yeah, that means you're getting older. You know that. Uh, but I, that's just wonderful. Uh, she's just grown so so big and so quickly over the years. So that's why I said two years. Uh, but uh, may she be blessed in her year upcoming. And uh, I want to say this too about her brother Aaron uh, and sister Trish. They uh, uh, came here on a work visa with their company that sponsored them to be here. And uh, in the normal scheme of things, when somebody comes like that, uh, they're eligible to apply for a green card after so many years. Uh, it's not just an automatic process. But recently, Brother Aaron was told by his employer that they want to push ahead citizenship, and, or at least green card, the process uh, starting now, which has just been here a couple of years, right? And so... That's a great testimony to me. That may seem like a small thing to you, especially you Americans, but to the rest of us, that's a great thing and a great testimony that they would want him to be here so they're making a way for him to have a green card and, you know, be an alien and, of course, then from there to go on to citizenship. So that's a great thing, and we're just excited for you both, for not only for Aaron, but for Sister Trish as well. Uh, Runya Yarrow is a citizen anyway because she's born on American soil, uh, so she's okay. But uh, for Aaron and his wife, that is a, a, a great testimony, and we'll be praying that it happens uh, smoothly for you. Also, February 26th is Sister Rachel's birthday, and we're not going to ask how old you are. 
But we are glad that uh, you're celebrating a birthday, and may God bless you. A couple of dates to remember. February 27th, we're going to have our reception for uh, the coffees. And uh, we, uh, because we're dealing with such a short time frame now, we have a sign-up sheet that's in the library. So if you don't mind, we would like to know by the end of the day. We don't like RSVPs any more than you do. Everybody doesn't like RSVPs, say amen. Yeah, see, I knew it. But we don't like them any more than you do. But we have to tell our caterer, we have to tell people who supply food how much to supply. So that's the reason why. But everybody's invited. Everybody uh, in, in the church, associated with the church, is invited. We'll have dinner right after service next Sunday. So if you don't mind, let us know in the uh, library there, and uh, we can have an accurate, as accurate account as we possibly can. Uh, March 12th, we'll have our couples banquet with Brother Jason Watkins. And uh, then we'll have our Easter meeting on Easter Sunday. And uh, we'll have a, a, a dinner and a fellowship after that. Brother Jason Jackson from uh, Arkansas is going to be with us on that uh, Sunday. So we're looking forward to that. Uh, this is a group in Zimbabwe. I just wanted to show you a couple of pictures here this morning. Uh, but uh, this is a group in, uh, in Zimbabwe. And this is uh, Pastor Ch- Ch- How do you say it? from Muzengezi, and uh, these are in the south part of Zimbabwe, I believe, is, is that right? And uh, out, you can look in the, in the background, see the buildings there. Uh, they just wanted to extend their appreciation, and they've received the Shona Seven Church Age books, and uh, they're, they're just excited about having that. And I think it's wonderful to see the whole church to have uh, new materials that, that are their own. Normally, they would have a book and pass it around and to have their own. Now, we're used to seeing pictures like this, the one I just showed you and ones like this. Uh, on the left, that's Brother Precious there, and this is a shipment that was uh, sent from India, comes into Malawi, goes, uh, uh, comes from India, goes to Malawi, and then it goes into Mozambique. These are Portuguese seals, book, uh, seals books that were printed, and then we're going to add to that shipment there 15,000 more uh, church-age books in Portuguese, and all that shipment will go on a truck like that into Mozambique, and this will be the first shipment from Mozambique. It's all in Portuguese. Brother Paulo da Silva in uh, Portugal translates all of that, and uh, it, it all now is happening in there. That is a... Uh, uh, they're very excited. They're calling Brother Precious uh, daily uh, and wondering, when are you going to be here? Are you going to come by my town? And uh, they're all really excited because they've had no material for years and years uh, because of the civil war in that country, and it's been very difficult. We're used to seeing pictures like this, right? I've showed you gazillions of pictures like this, and I have Brazilians more pictures that I haven't showed you because I've showed you gazillions of them. <clears throat> but we're not used to seeing <clears throat> we're not used to seeing pictures like this. And this is Haiti. Uh, Brother Andre Petit does a tremendous work in the country of Haiti. And he, uh, because he speaks French and they speak Creole, which are very similar, uh, Brother Andre has uh, taken, it's, it's really been his personal burden and his mission to help the believers in Haiti. There are many, many churches and many, many believers, big churches in the country of Haiti. It's only a small country, but extremely poor and extremely filled with witchcraft and voodoo. And uh, it's, it, it is, you don't want to be in the wrong place uh, in, in, in Haiti for sure. But now it's even worse uh, because it is basically, essentially, a lawless country. 
meaning that there are, uh, you know, there, there are no places to turn for law and order. The gangs rule these, uh, the streets in this part of the world. Now, what you're looking at is a window that has a bullet hole in it in Brother Andre's apartment. Now, he doesn't live there, but he lives there when he visits the country. He is from Canada, outside of Montreal. And uh, he travels to Haiti, and when he does, he lives in a little apartment that they have for him there. And all his church uh, functions go on from that little apartment. There is a, a gang now that is in control of this part of Haiti, and he's not allowed to go there. He can't go there because they would kidnap him immediately and then try to get ransom money. If you're white and you're breathing, you're a hostage potential. And so it's a very violent and dangerous place for an outsider to be, let alone a local. So we have, uh, Brother Andre has been, ridden me the last two days, and he's, he was just showing me some of the bullet holes and the bullet casings that uh, are in the wall in his, uh, in his apartment there. And then he wrote and said, the city is like taken hostage by the bandits called the 400 Mawoso, which are a gang there, a large assembly uh, a, a large gang that runs that part of the city, and they're completely untouched by police. He said half of that assembly in that, uh, in that place, 2,500 people, live in this area because of insecurity and kidnapping. They had to leave town and take refuge with other brothers. So that large church that's in that area, most, most of those people had to leave and flee because there's, there's, uh, you know, there's no help there. There's no law and order. And they had to leave their businesses, and they are destitute. And those who uh, welcome them in other churches do not have the means to feed them because they don't really have the means to feed their own families. It's, it's such, a, such a poor place. And it seems that the police are starting to intervene more, but until they can return to their homes, there's an extreme and urgent need among the people there. Uh, Brother Lavelt asked me if I could give information about the situation, and there are about 50 families that are... Uh, that are uh, requesting help. And uh, so I, I, I wrote back to him and I said, I'll, I'll pass this need along to our assembly and the people who stream, and then we'll also uh, certainly let the people uh, know out there. But he's going to let me know what kind of uh, funds would be required in order to help the people that are there. But it, it's, it's really a, a dangerous place. Now, the other reason why I'm saying that is that we have a shipment of books for that country that is at the dock. And because it's all run by criminals, uh, the believers are trying to get those books from the boat off the dock into the hands of the uh, pastors there. And so I'm going to ask you, if you don't mind, to remember that need in prayer. And uh, <clears throat> they also have not had books and supplies for many, many years. And so now they're all very excited about that. But you have to be really, you had to be really uh, quick in order to get uh, these materials <clears throat> through the hands of all the people that want a cut of money and uh, get it into the hands of the churches there. So uh, if you don't mind remembering that need, we sure would appreciate that because uh, if, uh, if it falls into the wrong hands, we have no authorities to turn to. It's not like you can call up an attorney and say, hey, can you do this? Or, uh, you know, the Port Authority or something else. The Port Authority is a gang. And so trying to get stuff through that is a challenge, but we're going to trust that the Lord will help us to get it there. And uh, we've seen some great miracles in getting things into the hands of believers, so, uh, so uh, we're just going to trust in this way as well. Uh, Brother Bannon made a statement like this. He said in 1954, he said, Come, Lord Jesus, and help me tonight to press 
and spread the gospel around the world so you can come. You cannot come according to your word until all the world has heard the gospel. And I pray you'll hasten the day, Lord, that when all the world shall hear the gospel, sin and sorrow, pain and death of this dark world shall cease. Till then, he said, give us grace and give us vision and give us power to bring the gospel to the people. I think that's a great statement. Let's stand to our feet tonight, this morning, and uh, let's look in the word of the Lord. Let's go to the book of Micah, chapter 1. The book of Micah, chapter 1. Now, we've been talking about this subject of spiritual warfare, and I'm not, uh, not done there, even though we don't have that on the board this morning, but it's going to tie together, and we're going to blend back some of that uh, as well today. In Micah, the first chapter, uh, Micah was a contemporary of Isaiah and prophesied some pretty startling things about Israel and, and uh, their true condition, as only prophets can. But I want to read just a couple of verses here in chapter 1. Verse 1, the word of the Lord that came to Micah uh, the Morashite in the days of Jotham, Ahaz, and Hezekiah, king of Judah, kings of Judah, which he saw concerning Samaria and Jerusalem. So the two main centers in, in Israel were Samaria and Jerusalem. And hear all ye people, hearken, O earth, and all that therein is. So this is not just now for Samaria and for Jerusalem, but this is for everybody to hear. And that's the way he he describes it. And let the Lord God be witness against you and the Lord from his holy temple. For behold, the Lord cometh forth out of his place and will come down and tread upon the high places of the earth. And the mountains shall be molten underneath him. In other words, they'll be melting. And the valleys shall be cleft or split as wax before the fire. And as the waters that are poured down a steep place. For the transgression of Jacob is this, and for the sins of the house of Israel. What is the transgression of Jacob? Is it not Samaria? And what are the high places of Judah? Are they not Jerusalem? Therefore, I will make Samaria as an heap of the field and as plantings of a vineyard, and I will pour down the stones thereof into the valley, and I will discover the foundations thereof. May God add his blessing. You may be seated this morning. <clears throat> that may not exactly be a reading that would cause us to leap and jump today, but it's a reading that gets our attention. Just wanted to say welcome to the Swaffords uh, today as well. Good to have them with us here. Uh, good to see you again. We, um, we've been talking a little bit about the pressures and the things that, that are taking place or unfolding before us in the, uh, the last days here. And as you know, there are great things in store for the bride. Most often we focus and concentrate on those things that are pertinent to the bride of Christ. But there are lots of other things that are going on in the world around us. Like David in Psalm 27, when he described, uh, you know, the last days. And he said, in that time of trouble, uh, he will set me up upon a rock. He'll set me in the, uh, you know, in his pavilion. And the backdrop of David's description is a time of trouble. Nations would be against nations and all of the other things that go on in the world. So we focus a lot on the bride part because that's who we are. And we like to know that 
uh, part very clearly and very thoroughly. But we also realize, like I said, that there are other things that are happening in the world around us, in this world that is falling apart. And uh, we use that phrase a lot. And I went back this week and I was reading in a, uh, the sermon, The World Falling Apart, the first one that Brother Branham did. And uh, he describes this, uh, this whole process of the world falling apart. And this is not the first time. According to the definition, this is not the first time that uh, the world was falling apart. Uh, how many of you know that back in the days, uh, like for instance, when Noah lived, uh, it was a, you know, a collapse of things. In the days of Jesus, when uh, he was here on the earth, Brother Branham said it all came apart during that time. And uh, we could describe some other periods in history when uh, the world went through great changes and they, uh, you know, there was great upheaval. And he talked about the political order of things. He talked about the uh, financial order of the world. He talked about the social order of the world like it was in the days of Noah. And there was very a lot of immorality and a lot of breakdown of normal things, you know. People were living in, in, uh, in, in ways that were unacceptable to God. And a lot of it was because, you know, the whole order of things fell apart. And uh, then, you know, he talks about the, uh, the moral standards in the world. And he talks about the religious standards, especially in the days of Jesus. And, uh, you know, the Romans were in power and all of that. But when, when we, uh, and if you take this sermon and you look at it and go through it there, Brother Branham describes this falling apart of the world with restraint. It is not the entire world collapsing and not the whole world physically being renovated. But the order of things in the world is changing. There's a breakdown of that. And so... In other words, you know, there were the infrastructure of the world remained the same. People drove on one side of the road, and they continued to drive on that same side of the road, uh, even though the world was falling apart. And the bridges are still there, and nature still was doing what it did. I mean, they got up in the morning and, uh, you know, went to work or went to do whatever they had to do. And, uh, you know, a lot of things carried on the same way in the natural realm. But the, or- the order of things like the financial system and, and the moral system and the religious system and the political system, all of that uh, showed its level of corruption. There was lots of things that were messed up in those periods of time. And he said the world's falling apart. And then he says, today our world is also falling apart. But God had a, he, it was almost like he had a, a, a measure how far he was going to let that go. And then it was going to stop right there. Then it was going to, uh, you know, it was going to uh, correct itself. There was going to be a restoration go on. And yet when it comes down to the end time in the last days, when Brother Branham describes this world falling apart, he he. He's instructed to, to speak on things a little differently because now we've come to a place where, uh, like he describes in the sixth seal, it's not just the moral order and it's not just the political order that's messed up. He said we find out, and this is the sixth seal that I'm reading from here, he says we find out that when this great earthquake took place, he said then all nature was interrupted. Now, when we say all nature is interrupted, he describes, he said, God's been doing great things like healing the sick, opening the eyes of the blind, and doing great works. But he said, we find out here that uh, in this sixth seal, he said that nature takes a tumble. I'll guarantee you, none of us really know what that's like. We've seen nature hiccup. Right? The great tsunami uh, that happened several years ago and some of the great earthquakes and volcanoes and, and uh, you know, the typhoons and different things that have taken place. And those are periodic. 
Uh, they are uh, intermittent. In other words, you have one happen here and then later something happens somewhere else. But it's not a tumbling of nature. Now, he describes this and he says a little bit more in detail. He says, yes, all nature. And he said, look what took place. He said, the sun went black. And the moon wouldn't give its light. And the stars shook and fell. Anybody around here have any idea what that would look like? When the sun goes black, I mean, uh, the only time that we have a, a, any kind of a sense of what that might be was, I think, is when the children of Israel <clears throat> were in Goshen and they looked over one day and God had allowed blackness to come over the land. Do you remember as one of the plagues? Now, all around the rest of the earth there was light, but in, that, in, in Egypt there was darkness there. But, but think about this for a minute, if you can. This is kind of hard. If the sun went black, imagine how cold it would be. If the sun went black, you would have no reflection of light off the moon. So it wouldn't be like our night. If the sun went black and the moon didn't shine, everything was cold and black, and the stars fell out of the sky? Yeah, right. That's easy to imagine. No. This is the world falling apart, quite literally. This is, this is beyond the ordinary change in the order of things. All right? And this is where, this is where we've come to. Brother Branham says why. He says everything happened during that time. Right at the time of the opening of the sixth seal, he said when it takes place. And right immediately after announcing of these martyrs and the fifth seal. And he said, now see, we're right at the close. We're right close into that hour now. It could be at any time because the church is about ready to take its flight. Somebody say, glory to God, I'm glad I'm a part of that church. And I'll say it again. I'll say it, I'll say it clearly this morning at the outset here that I, I told Henry this morning, uh, you know, I, I, I told him, I said, this is a great thing that God is dealing with your heart. Be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ and surrender your life to Christ right now today because we don't know what tomorrow holds. And I, you know what, we say that all the time, but it is really true. And here's Brother Brandon telling us, in 1963, he says that we are right close up to this now. Uh, and he says, remember, these things happen. When they happen, the bride won't be here. She's gone. She don't have to go through any of it. This is a time of tribulation of the purification of the church. Somebody say, thank God I'm bride. No, you didn't say it. Say it again. Thank God I'm bride. Let's say it again with, the, with some level of enthusiasm here. Thank God I'm bride. My goodness. We should be thankful that we're the bride of Christ. Because when you look at your agenda, when you look at your list of events, you've got to show up at tribulation is not one of them. These, these events that he's describing is not one of them. Whether God will allow us to look over the banister of heaven and see from the other side what this is going to actually be like, because none of us can know what it's like. I don't know, but I will tell you this, that I will be, we will be, the bride of Christ will be in a better place and have a perspective of all of this uh, like the world will, will not be able to imagine. You can, uh, you can imagine just, I mean, you can sort of, I mean, it's just very difficult to imagine at all what it would be like to be on earth when all of this is unfolding. To the point where the Bible says that they will even cry out and say to the mountains and the rocks, fall on us. Because we don't want to be exposed to the wrath of the Lamb who has come. 
And what we read in Micah is that description that Micah, in his view, sees that God is entering into a judgment cycle and he arises to come to the earth. He arises to appear as a judge of all the earth and stand here. And the people on the earth are looking at all of these things unfolding and they're saying, let the mountains fall on us and the rocks fall on us. And we don't want to be around here. We would rather be anywhere but here when that time comes. Have I got your attention? Aren't you glad you're a member of the bride of Christ? I want to take this text tonight, Brother Branham says, because that comes to mind on the subject of letting off the pressure. And I thought it would be very appropriate. There's so much pressure everywhere. Everybody seems to be under a pressure. And what's the matter? It's a day of pressure. It's exactly why we feel the pressure. That's exactly why there's strife and differences. And that's exactly why we feel it. And the walls in your home are not thick enough to keep it out. The pressure exists everywhere. And so, in Romans chapter 8, the Bible tells us that we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit. So everything in the world is affected by this falling apart of the world and where the world is going. Everybody, everybody and everything is affected by where the world is heading. Everything is, is going to be involved. Because you're either going to be, listen, you're going to be in one of three places. You're going to be... With the bride, and the bride's not going to be here, they're going to be in glory at the wedding supper. Or you're going to be a Jew over in Israel, and they have a special protection because they have the light of the hour after it leaves the Gentiles. And thirdly, you're in the rest of the world trying to find a way out. One or the other. There are not a whole lot of options, folks, when it comes to this time time period here. But because we're all moving into that cycle, and we're all moving into that place, to, one, one way or the other, there comes a point of departure for the bride, and there comes a, a time of anointing for Israel, but everybody else is moving to the same place, and a place that they feel like, hey, we'll handle it when we get there. And I got news for them, they won't. They will be looking for a way out, and it will be a place with no escape. And so therefore... Uh, when, let me ask you, when has God not been in the business of preparing his people for, for that kingdom that we're moving into? Let me tell you, God has never not been in the, that's a double negative, sorry, but he's never not been in the business of preparing his people for that place and for that departure. And so that's exactly what's going on, and that's why the pressure is there. Pressure accomplishes one thing for the world, but it accomplishes a different thing for the bride of Christ, because all it's doing is pumping you up so that you can live in another atmosphere altogether. Are we all right? Now, this negative pressure is felt everywhere. Now, watch. Uh, this is an amazing statement. This is in 1948 on day 0000. Interesting. You feel that pressure that's been hanging around recently. He said the last half hour. And strong. He said there's bound to be a, an unbeliever in here somewhere. He said, God have mercy on your sinful soul. And I'd be gentleman enough to get up and walk out. Because I, I, he says, I would before I'd hinder sick people. I mean, he's being pretty gentlemanly, pretty gracious about it, but, uh, you know, you can feel, you can sense that, uh, that's, that conflict that's there right in that meeting. And people around probably would not, but, uh, here's a man now who's bridging a couple of dimensions and he's looking at this whole, uh, scenario here and he's saying, hey, this is, uh, uh, this is a negative pressure that we feel. 
Now, if that's 1948, imagine how much more negative pressure there would be in the world today. Or, let's, let's put it this way. How about if we went to your school? How about if we went to your place of work and began to measure the amount of negative pressure that's there? No wonder you're worn out at the end of a week. No wonder you're, you're stressed today. No wonder that one-third of all the medications produced in our, in our world are medications to do, deal with the nervous system antidepressants or medications to help people sleep, medications to help people be aroused. Uh, There's one-third of all the medications produced in our world that deal with the central nervous system. And the reason that is is because there's a a demand for it. I was talking to my doctor this week, and I had uh, I was wearing my brace on Wednesday night. I don't know if you noticed. And uh, I had a wrestling match with a table saw and lost the match. And uh, so I, I went to see him, and he was telling me about the, the, uh, the therapist that he knows. And we were talking about uh, COVID and the COVID years and so forth. He's a very interesting fellow to talk to. And uh, he said that he, of all the therapists that he knows, the people who deal with uh, counseling and anything, psychiatry and anything like that, he said every single one of them that I know all have a counselor themselves. All the therapists are in therapy. Because it is so stressful. I was telling him that, um, I, you know, as I've said to you before, I get publications from different groups, you know, just because you're, when you're a minister, they find you and send you stuff. And I saw this email, and it was a report about churches, Protestant churches in America, evangelical churches in America. <clears throat> and normally, in the process of time, all jobs... Uh, have an ebb and flow when it comes to people retiring and people joining up in the in the profession. So, for instance, if you have, uh, let's say, let's say in uh, the medical field, if you have doctors and professionals who are uh, they're getting older and they're retiring, there's a whole new flock that are coming out of med school and they're joining up and starting their practice. So it tends to be a wash, and sometimes there's imbalances, but. It tends to be a wash. So you have so many policemen retiring. You got new people coming out of the academy, and you know there's a general supply because there's an ebbing away of of people who are elderly. Right? That makes sense. Last year, and that's the same for the ministry as well, pastors and and uh, uh, ministers in evangelical churches. But last year, 2021, they said they recorded that there was a 38 percent increase of pastors who quit and walked away. That's not a normal ebb and flow. That's like a great big chunk of over a third of all pastors and ministers who just walked away, quit, and left because they couldn't handle it anymore. Because it was so stressful. People were so angry. People were so disrespectful. Because now all this anger comes out and all this strife comes out. I'll go on record and say this. And you probably are wondering where this is going. Jeff, you should move over in front of that door so I don't get out. I don't have any science for this, and this is not a scientific statement, but I believe that the COVID virus really was like a vector to me. Now, a vector in scientific terms is uh, a, a channel or a means by which something is carried, uh, carried along. So, for instance, uh, a mosquito carries the malaria virus, okay? So the mosquito is not malaria. It's a vector for the malaria 
disease. It carries it around. So when the, when the mosquito lands on you, it's got a disease already packed in there. And when it tries to get blood from you, it transfers the malaria into your bloodstream and so forth. So it's a means of transporting something from one thing to another. That's a layman's definition. I believe that the COVID virus was indeed a virus. I, I believe it was a real one. And I, I believe it was a terrible one for this reason that it did all kinds of different things to different people. I mean, some people get it, and they suffer still with it. Even after a year or two, they still suffer with side effects from it. And, you know, they can only think in one half of their brain, or they can't smell, they can't taste still. And they got, uh, you know, there's, uh, I mean, there's one young man that I know uh, up in Virginia up there who had, uh, he had the beginnings of cancer, and the doctors determined that when he got the COVID virus, it just took the cancer cells and went boom and splattered them all through his body. And he died very quickly because of the, uh, of the way the virus reacted in his body. I mean, we have medical people and doctors here who can tell you all kinds of stories about, uh, you know, people's reactions and the, and the effects of that virus. But I believe, too, it was also a vector to carry certain things that affected lots of people in different ways. And I, I'm, not, I'm not being scientific here, but I'm saying that uh, there was such a, there has been such a, an upheaval in our order and in our system of things here. It changed lots of things. And I will say this, that the bride of Christ and churches in the bride were not exempt from any of it. There's lots of nasty things that have happened. And I believe that there are spirits that will latch on to that kind of a thing and have a, an occasion to move And you should not underestimate the devil's ability to get in wherever he can and try to make life miserable for God's people. He does. He's disrupted a lot of things. I see some of you shaking your head. You know exactly what I'm talking about. So when we talk about negative pressure here, we have, I believe, more negative pressure now than we ever have in any other season in history. Now let me carry on because I don't want to get bogged down here. But just to say this, that when we come to this cycle of time here that Brother Bram's describing about in the Sixth Seal and in other places here, uh, there are multiple things going on. Number one, it's the end of time for the Gentiles. Their light fades out. And a judgment cycle kicks in. The Jews are back in Israel. God has a purpose in doing that because now he's going to take that bride home that he has redeemed. So this is his time to take the bride away from the earth and to bring her off into glory. And Brother Branham says that every man that comes to Christ must first be child trained for the purpose that God has ordained you for. So you are wired, you are ordained to be here in this last day. And remember, if you can, just keep quiet. If he has called you, there's nothing can keep it from happening. Just hold on, and we want you to wait on the Lord. Now, I need you to hold that thought for a minute. And if he's called you, there's nothing can keep it from happening. If God's called you, there's nothing can keep your purpose from being fulfilled. Nobody can take your place. God's word will triumph, and that's where every Christian ought to stand. And trials will come. Remember, God has a purpose, and it will work out all right. I think that's worth saying again. And trials will come, but remember, God has a purpose, and it will work right. Say it after me. God has a purpose, and it will work right. It might be rough getting to, to the end point. It might be, might be rough getting there, but it will all work out right. Do you believe that? 
because you're not in control and the devil's not in control and COVID's not in control. Our God has never lost control. And it'll all come out right because his word will prevail. It will happen just exactly the way that God has intended. And you're a part of that. God has ordained you for a function or a role uh, in this time. Otherwise, you wouldn't be born in this time. And a lot of times we feel like, oh, I'd like to close my eyes and be somewhere else. I don't want to have to deal with this. Hey, it's not your decision nor mine that you're here. It's God's decision that you're here. And not only that, but he has trained you and molded you. And he uses the phrase child trained, which is the process of adoption in your life to bring you to the place where you can be usable by God for the purpose that he has ordained in our time. And some people are ordained to minister. Some people are ordained to stay with the word no matter what. We have heard for years. We've heard all of our Christian life. We've heard all of our... All of our season in the message to stay with the word. Isn't that true? Come on, folks. Don't, don't wane on me here. We've heard all of our Christian lives. Brother Branham tells us, stay with the word. He doesn't say even stay with me. Right? And, and you won't find statements like that where Brother Branham says, whatever you do, stay with me. Stay right here. He doesn't say to everybody, come to Branham Tabernacle and be here in church. He doesn't say that at all. He could have said that. Reasonably, he could have said that. that God's doing great things here. And he could have cut off his travel uh, program and just stayed at home and had everybody come there and have a big uh, auditorium like Smiley Face down there in Texas. And, uh, you know, have, have you know, $92 million a year coming into the uh, place and say every sentence with a smile. You know how hard that is? You know how very difficult it is to smile uh, with everything you say? I can't do it. I can't do it. But, I mean, Brother Branham could have accumulated a following and accumulated worth and accumulated assets, couldn't he? But he didn't. Sorry, Sister Haley, she's been away. So. He couldn't, he didn't do it. He could have done it, but he didn't do it. What did he tell us to stay with? He said, stay with the word. Every time, Brother Branham told us to stay with the higher, more absolute reality of the word. Now, we were talking about this at home this week. I I received a speech that was written, and this is Hillsdale College, and it's called The Great Reset. And uh, the the gentleman here is an author, and he's a lecturer in in a Christian college, and he was talking about how in, in his definition of this conspiracy idea that the reason why we have had covid and the reason why the Great Depression occurred and the Long Depression occurred in, in the 1800s and lots of other things that happened in time was that somehow or another these were planned events by governments or authorities to reset everything so that everything would be under their control or in their power. Now, let me say this, and this may seem strange to you, but let me say this uh, this morning, that I, I, um, I've learned over the years that uh, people who lean towards a conspiracy point of view, um, you cannot take every one of those and just chuck them out and say none of them are true. Because most conspiracy theories, and even the better ones, if there is, that, that's an oxymoron, but even the better ones have a measure of truth in them. They're based on something. And there's some facts there, but there's portions of it that you can't, you can't know or you're not going to know. Like what really goes on in Area 54, right? There probably is a place 
See how, how much you all know that. Just about everybody smiled when I said that. Or if we could talk about the grassy knoll. Right? Hey, I've been to the grassy knoll. I've been there in Dallas. And they're still there selling newspapers and showing pictures of the other puff of smoke. And they, uh, you know, they have all kinds of information that you can buy there. I've been, I've been right there. Hey, uh, sorry, I don't want to get rolling. Let me define a conspiracy theory as an attempt by people to know. A lot of times people develop or hang on to a theory because they want to know the truth. They want to know what's right. But all of the truth is not available. All of the facts are not there. Are you with me? Follow me now. I know where I'm going. So a conspiracy theory sounds good because the conclusion is really left up to you. <clears throat> you, can, uh, <clears throat> you can almost know. And when we say that you can almost know, then you have an inferior reality. It, it's, it's not superior, it's inferior, because all the facts are not there. Now, let me tell you my position on all of this. And all the other theories that are out there. No matter, no matter where they come from. I believe this is a superior reality. This is true. And, and I'm, I'm, again now, this is not, I'm not telling you what to believe here. I'm not telling you what you should do. I'm just telling you that God has convinced me that this word and this message is right. And I believe this dispels Lots of the rumors, lots of the ideas, lots of the shadows and gloom that's out there, and, and lots of the suppositions about what may happen and what may be and what could be and all the rest of it. And here comes Brother Branham along and he says, Thus saith the Lord. This is what the scripture says. And lays out the first seal and everything that happens there. Second seal, third seal, all the mysteries of God that were to be revealed in this last day. Come on, somebody say amen. All the mysteries that were to be revealed in the last day that God determined for us. He has revealed them. He did it all before Brother Bantam left the earth. And now the, the, the word is continually unfolding and revealing itself. And there is still light for us to walk in in our, in our, in our time that we live in. And God is still showing us things. How many believe that God is still showing us things? And, and God is still revealing things to us. And let me tell you, this is how I feel. I'm not criticizing anybody. I'm not saying anything about anybody. But I'm telling you this. I'm not going to leave the superior reality to go to a lower reality. Because I believe this is a superior reality. I believe it's got all the answers. We've read that. Last Sunday, we read that. Brother Bram said the Bible has every answer that you need for every age you're living in. And God embedded it in there. And the reason why, the reason why that people will go after other theories that are, in, or theories that are inferior is because they've never really been convinced that that is a superior truth. Sorry. And I pray that God will help you find it. How many remember back in Acts chapter 19 when, uh, you know, Paul comes along and, and uh, he's, he's uh, moving through the area and the, his, his disciples come to him and they say, Hey, you know what? There's a man over here that you've got to hear preach. Man, he's a, he's a dynamo. He's just on fire. We need this guy in our ranks. We need this guy in our, in our church. What's his name? Apollos. And here was Apollos preaching in Acts chapter 19. And the Bible says he, he was a man eloquent in the scripture. And, I mean, people loved him. But when Paul got there, he sat in the congregation. How many would agree that Paul was, had a revelation of a higher truth? Right? 
And here's Paulus. He's listening to what Paulus is saying. And you know what Apollos is teaching? John the Baptist doctrine. You look at me like, <laughs> you mean there is an Acts 19 in the Bible? Yeah, it goes to 19. And it goes even beyond that. And here's, here's Apollos, and he's, he's preaching away, but he's preaching the baptism of John. And Paul is listening to him here. Now, Paul doesn't say, hey, Godspeed, God be with you. You know, good luck in your ministry. May God bless you. He doesn't say that. He goes to Apollos, and he sits down with him, and he begins to, to, to teach him and show him the things that have come to pass since the days of John the Baptist and bring him up to the higher truth. Is that Okay. Paul does not say, why don't I come back down to where you are so we can have a great ministry team? He says, no, come on up here. There's a higher reality. There's a higher truth. And lots more things will make sense if you come up into a greater light than what you are in now. It's not that the man is going to hell, and it's not that the man is insincere. It's not that the man's not a good preacher, but he's in a lower, he's in a lower realm, if you like. He's in a lesser light. And Paul, his, his response is to bring that man into a greater light. But how can that happen unless Christ comes to that man and gives him a revelation that there is a higher truth? God's got to use somebody like Paul, got to use somebody like you or me, but God's got to give him a revelation of that higher truth, right? Are we still okay? Now, having said that, I put this in because we read it last Sunday that uh, he says, stay behind the word. The word will lead you across. He said, the word is Christ. Stay with that guide. Don't get in front of it, behind it. Let it lead you. Don't lead it. Because you've never passed this way before. And God has ways, and his ways are past finding out. Brother Bram said, don't always try to explain it. Don't ask me to explain it. I can, uh, he said, there's nobody else can explain it. God's ways are past finding out. He said, you just can't find it out. No need of trying to figure it out. In other words, intellectually believe it outside of a revelation of Christ. He said, we just believe it. That's all. And we see results. We realize that uh, this is exactly what Jesus told the people in his day when he lived on earth. You believe in God, believe also in me. He said, search the scriptures. For in them you think you have eternal life. And they are there to testify of me. So take the word of God, take the Bible and open it up and look at it and take my ministry and the acts of God that are happening around you and the blind eyes open and the, uh, you know, the dead are raised and all the other things that were happening, the virgin birth and everything else and see whether that's a match. And if you have a match, your job then is to come up with the right conclusion. If you don't have a match, you don't need to worry. You can lay it on the shelf. But if it matches, then you know what? You have, you, now you have a choice. You have a decision. I'm going to lay down that inferior reality, and I'm going to embrace this truth now. You remember Brother Branham said about the scientists in France that believed that if you went at the great speed of 30 miles an hour, you wouldn't be able to stay on the earth, you'd lift off the earth, right? It would be silly for you to believe that in our day, because we have a greater body of evidence that suggests that that's not true, right? In your school, they don't teach that, do they? So we know that, hey, there comes a time when you've got to let go of the inferior to embrace the superior. You've got to let go of the lesser in order to embrace the greater. You've got to let go of the darker in order to grasp the brighter. And that is a part of our journey. That's a part of our learning process that we let go of those things. Because even if you can't explain it, you've got to be able to compare what's being done with what the Word says. 
And Brother Brown says, and through that, and only through that, are you going to come up with the right, uh, right conclusion that that actually is the works of God. You know what? It is God doing. It's God on the scene. That's exactly what it is. It's God on the scene. So God makes his ways known unto Moses, but his acts unto the children of Israel. And then the Bible says that they believed they, then believed they his words and they sang his praise, but they soon forgot his works and they waited not for his counsel. They lusted exceedingly in the wilderness and tempted God in the desert. If the only thing, listen, if the only thing you see is the acts of God and don't really understand by revelation the ways of God, there'll come a point when the acts of God become common to you. And you'll look for something else. Now, I've got to I, I got to carry on. They had it all figured out just as how it was to be. This is the resurrection of Lazarus, 1951. They had it all figured out. Pharisees and the scribes, they had it all figured out how the Messiah was going to come. But God has never left himself without a testimony. And before the coming of Jesus, God sent Gabriel from glory. Now you can hear of minor angels coming, but when Gabriel comes, something big's on the road. Something major's on the road. He's an archangel, and there's something great fixing to happen. Wow. So what do you do with the text we read this morning in Micah where it says, that the Lord himself will come. He'll step out of glory. And he'll be, uh, he, he'll be on the scene in that day. In that last day, he will come on the scene. And he will be uh, coming forth out of his place. For behold, the Lord cometh out of his place. So if you have not an angel, an angel, or if you have Gabriel coming, but you have the Lord himself descending, You know what you're going to have when he arrives in Satan's Eden? You're going to have a conflict. Are we okay? Everybody all right? So therefore, we have what what we've been referring to as spiritual warfare. Well, let's say it like this. This is how Jesus was in the first time he came around. He stood there in a physical body, and he walked into Jerusalem, and he walked into the temple. That's what he did. He entered into Jerusalem, entered into the temple, and when he looked around about these things, now eventide was come. And he went out into Bethany with the twelve. This is when they strew all the palm branches down in front of him and shouted, Hosanna, King uh, of, the, of the highest, and so forth. And this is what it looked like in the first day. It's a drawing of what it looked like in the first day. And he had to come that way in the first coming of, of Christ because uh, spirits don't die. God is a spirit. How many believe that? And spirits don't die. So if he was, if, if, if uh, you know... He had provided himself as a sacrifice. Like he was talking about Abraham and Jehovah Jireh. If he had provided himself as a sacrifice for sin, uh, they couldn't take a spirit and nail it to the cross. So Jesus stepped into a physical flesh form so he could bleed and die for our sins. Right? Second time he comes, though, it's not, it's not in a physical form. Well, let's put the same picture up just for the purposes of illustration. But here's the description in the last day. Behold, I stand at the door and knock. If any man will open, hear my voice and open the door, I'll come into him and sup with him. He with me. Where is he? He's outside. Why is he outside? Because they won't let him in. Wow. Imagine not being allowed into your own house. I mean, this is pretty poor, right? After 2,000 years of all that we've had, and now here he is at the end this is not said of any other generation, but here he is at the end saying, I stand at the door and knock. What's the problem? Why has this occurred? 
Let's take a look here. Just a couple of quotations. Everybody with me? All right, hold on. Now, Brother Branham says in, in 1965 here, he says, this is the seven church age in Laodicea, and he describes that. He says, it's, it's a lukewarm age that God spews out of his mouth. And they spew God out of his mouth, out of their mouth. So the end result of all of this is that God spews them out of his mouth. But before that happens, they spew God out of their mouth. Laodicea's attitude is, hey, hey, don't try to poke that down my throat. And they'll spit it back out. Hey, you can, you can criticize denominations all you want. Because, hey, that's what they've done. They put Christ out. But don't you fall into the trap of believing that you can't put Christ out by your rejection of his own word that's come in our day. You can sit there in this pew, in this church, and spit out God's mercy, God's word, God's advice, God's counsel, God's shaping and molding in your life. You can spit that right out because it doesn't blend with your theology and your idea of how this should go down. Come on. Is that <clears throat> Brother Bram said there's not another age in the Bible where Jesus found, was found on the outside trying to knock and get back in. They, they put him out. No cooperation. They put him out. Who is Jesus? The word. The word was put out. The husks throughout the wheat. That's totally stupid. That the husk would throw out the wheat. So when you come to the harvest time and the husbandman looks at the, at the harvest, all he sees is the shuck. All he sees is the husks that are there. Not worth anything. No one's going to buy that. It's not of any value except for the swine. He says, I stand at the door and knock. Hey, this is a prophet's assessment of Laodicea in the last month he's on earth. This is his assessment of the world and the church that Christ was meant to be in with. And here they are, shuck, throwing out the wheat to be trampled underfoot. Pretty sad, isn't it? Pretty sad commentary. Here he is again. It is I not be afraid. He said the only help those disciples had... They were, uh, he said, they was afraid of it. The only salvation we got for both nation, church, and individual, and its healing, is Jesus Christ. What is Christ? But the Word. And people are afraid of him when he comes into the church. Whoa. And I pray this is not you, but this is what he's saying, that the only hope we have is Christ, but people are afraid of him when he comes into the church. And they go away. And they sit in the church with curious looks on their faces. I don't know what to think about that. That might be psychology. That might be the devil. Don't be scared. It's the Lord Jesus Christ. People are sitting in there saying, whoa, whoa. Could, do I have to believe that? Could that be God? Could that, that, Days of miracles has passed. The only miracles we know of are supposed to be done were in the book of Acts and in the early church. That's all it was. And, and, you know, hey, here he is now doing this, and he knows their thoughts and intentions, knows their address, knows their... And it's funny because we know that same person too, and everything he just said is right. But could that be God? No, can't be God. You know why they're saying that? And you know why they're debating that back and forth in their mind? It's because of the teaching they're sitting under. They're being taught by their systems or their ministers. They're being taught by that denomination that the days of miracles is past. And so uh, that couldn't happen today. That prophets are not uh, around today. That was for the days of uh, Paul was the last uh, prophet. So, uh, you know, that, that, that couldn't happen today. 
And here's God showing up in the church. And the people are like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Is that on the list? No, it ain't on the list. Can't be God. I mean, that's a simple way of saying it. But Brother Branham encountered that all of his ministry. All of his ministry. It's the only hope of salvation in this day is when our nations and our worlds are in turmoil. When the world's falling apart, the only hope you have is Christ on the scene. And when our nations are breaking everywhere and when our churches are formal and indifferent and when the power of God has failed to be preached, where? Right here in the pulpit. And Jesus comes walking on this troubled waters. And don't be afraid of him. Wow, what a, what a, what a voice in the wilderness Brother Brandon must have felt like. And he's saying that, hey, it, it, nobody, nobody's saying this this way. Nobody is declaring the scripture to be true this way. Nobody is looking at this superior reality like they should look at it. That I'm willing to take my church teaching and test it by the word of God and lay it next to the word of God and try to find out whether, whether that matches that. And if that doesn't match that, you have a responsibility to lay aside that and take this. And that, my friend, is what Brother Branham taught all the days of his ministry. And he's saying, don't be afraid. That's Christ on the scene fulfilling his word. He's right among you now. Don't be afraid. That's, that's, it is I. Be not afraid. In, in the, in the night, the disciples are rolling across the lake and there's a great storm and it's dark. And here comes Jesus. And they're like, wah! And he says, hey, it's I. Be not afraid. He shows up in that supernatural way. All right. How about if God showed up in a supernatural way and discerned the thoughts and intentions of the heart? And, and you know, told a certain name, certain disease, certain thing that happened to you that uh, gives you the source of the problem you have. And then pronounces in the name of Jesus Christ that that thing is healed. And then there are proofs and results of that over and over and over and over again. You'd have to sit there and decide, is that God or not? I'm not Brother Branham. I don't have a ministry like him and wouldn't want a ministry like his. But I will tell you this, that there are times when God shows up here and takes the word and uncovers the thoughts and the intentions of hearts. And I've seen people walk away from it and spew him out of their mouth. And I've seen people accept that word and embrace that reality and lay down their false ideas and their complexes and their, uh, you know, their hurts and offenses, lay it all at the altar, and walk away victorious because they accepted that that was not Brother Barry, that that was not Cadre Diggs. That was the Holy Spirit actually at, at work in our midst here. What a blessed people we are to have that reality among us. Am I okay? Hey, look, folks, if God wanted Brother Branham here, he'd be here. If God wanted Brother Branham to, to c- carry it all the way through to the finish line, Brother Branham would be here. If Brother Branham wanted us all to go to Jeffersonville and sit in a big uh, basketball stadium and listen to tapes, you know what? He would have said that. But he hasn't said that. Because he doesn't want us to do that. He wants you to strive to enter into the presence of God and wait on the Lord. And let God do in your heart what he needs to do in the bride to prepare you for the change of your body. So you can be here when all of this stuff breaks loose in the sixth seal. And Brother Bam describes it all in detail and says nature takes a tumble. God doesn't want you to take a tumble. God wants you to take your seat. I said God doesn't want you to take a tumble with nature and the earth. God wants you to take your seat in glory in the wedding supper. He's got a place there with your name on it. They have arranged seating 
in the marriage supper. Sorry if you don't like that. But in the marriage supper, they have arranged seating over there where they have a place with your name on it and nobody else can fill that place. Your job is to wait on God until you get there. How do you wait on God? How do you wait on God? I think that's a good question. And let me answer the question for you. Now, let me just show you a couple of scriptures and I'll end with this, all right? I'll find an ending spot. Now, don't get any ideas because this ending will take about an hour. But, no, not really. I just want to see your reaction. One of the keys, listen to me now, and I promise you we'll we'll find a wrapping up place. Ephesians 1 is a key chapter in the Bible because there are certain, there are over, there are over 70,000 promises in Scripture. You know that? No, you didn't know that. That's why you came today. There are over 70,000 promises in the Scripture. Ephesians 1 has a bunch of them. But there's a main one here I want you to take note of. Paul talks about the salvation of his God's elect, the ones that were predestinated from before the foundation of the world. If you know Ephesians 1, he, Paul says that we're sitting in heavenly places, you know, we're predestinated. And he says, and we're praying, he says that God would, after you've heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and after you have believed, he says, we're praying for you that you would be sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. But now, true, that's been the same in every age, Right? In every age, a believer believes, they repent, they make it right, they, they walk in the steps of salvation, and, and they are sealed with the Holy Spirit promise. That's been in every age. But he goes on in verse 17, and he prays that God, the, the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give unto you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him. Paul is actually praying, after that you have heard, after you, the days of your salvation, God would actually give you this spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of him. And let me stop and say this, just so you're with me. In Revelation chapter 10 and verse 7, right? In the days of the voice of the seventh angel, when he shall begin to sound, the mystery of God should be finished. So therefore, there had to come a voice, and the word of the Lord comes to a prophet. There had to come a ministry in the last day to bring us to this place of understanding and a place of enlightenment which would have such an effect on us that it would actually translate us into another kingdom, which hasn't happened through the ages. But now we're living in this season when this is actually ongoing. And what the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints and the exceeding greatness of his power to us were who believe according to the working of his mighty power. Paul is praying that this would happen, this would actually come or be poured out in the church, the predestinated And it would happen whenever God decides, because this is entirely the work of God. This is not you just learning rules and regulations. This is not you just growing up in church. This is not you just, uh, you know, going from one age to another. But this is at the last days. Paul says that he prayed that the Father would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation and the knowledge of him, so that his the understanding of him would become so powerful and so great and so clear to you, that it not only would draw you in, but it would pull you out. Now, I'll I'll come back to some of this here. So, 
until this revelation happens, and, and uh, in the day that we're living in, you may assume that, well, you know, there's really not much we can do because we're just going to sit back in our easy chairs, uh, you know, spiritually speaking, sit back and just wait until God changes us. We're just going to come to church and try to stay awake for an hour until uh, there'll be no more church services and we're gone. Or something happens. And we can, I'm not not being critical of you here. I'm just saying that a lot of times people think, whoa. A lot of times people will think that um, waiting on the Lord is just really sort of a passive thing that um, I'm going to spin my wheels until... Um, it's over. And I really don't have to do anything. Now, follow me just for a moment here. The Bible says here, in Isaiah chapter 40, and many other places here, they that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings as eagles. And they shall run. Now the word wait and run seem to be two contradictory words. Because if we're waiting, why are we running? They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not faint. Lamentations chapter 3, The Lord is good unto them that wait for him, to the soul that seeketh him. The word wait in the Bible, stop for a minute. Hey folks, I'm going I'm to end with this here, but follow me just for a moment. The word wait in the Bible, <clears throat> forgive me here for illustrating this. But it is not uh, it is not just this. We would think that waiting would be passive. Waiting um, in the Bible is not this at all. <laughs> not at all. Waiting in the scripture are you ready? The Hebrew definition is like this. It means to twirl in the dance. Whoa. You weren't expecting that. It means that this person who's waiting, they that wait upon the Lord, is moving. Moving with squeaky shoes all the time. And looking around and gleaning everything that he can. Waiting is a very active thing in the Bible. The Lord is, is good unto them that wait for him. I don't believe the Lord would be really pleased if we came to church and did this every Sunday. And then, then you look over like that. I, don't, I, I, think, uh, I think God would expect a little more passion from the people of God in the last day because... You know what? This is a season where the spirit of wisdom and revelation is talked about that God would unveil through a prophet in Revelation 10, 7, the full mystery of God, and it would be all available. And Peter says in 1 Peter chapter 1, 13, to gird up the loins of your mind, right? And be ready for the things that are going to come at the appearing of Jesus Christ. And, and that word gird up the loins of your, of your mind, the phrase gird up the loins, is the same phrase that is found in 1 Kings chapter 17, When Elijah, listen to me, when Elijah uh, was on top of Mount Carmel and he heard the sound of rain coming. You remember that? Remember that passage of scripture? And uh, the fire fell and 
and all of a sudden he looked up in the sky and there was a, there was a cloud the size of a man's hand and then, uh, you know, it grew and grew. And Elijah knew the rain was coming and everybody was up on top of Mount Carmel. And Ahab was in his chariot. Now, kings had a pretty spiffy chariot back then and had, you know, nice white horses. And the Bible says that he went down over the mountain. How many of you have been to Mount Carmel? Mount Carmel's pretty steep. Eliza, right here, has been to Mount Carmel. It's pretty steep, isn't it? And you look way down into the valley there. And the Bible says that here was Ahab and here was Elijah on top of that mountain. And the Bible says that Elijah girded his garment around him and outran the chariot of the king downhill. Can you imagine how fast a chariot would go downhill? With super white chargers on the front of it and, uh, you know, uh, probably some servant of the king riding that thing. And he's barreling down over the side of Mount Carmel there. And the Bible says that as he's going down the hill, like this, and all of a sudden, there goes Elijah past him. Because he girded up the loins of his, or girded up his garment and, re, in other words, he pulled it up between his legs like that and took off. And the anointing got on him and he outran the king's chariot. You read it in the Bible. Read it in the Bible. And here's the king going down like this. Now he's eating dust. Peter says, gird up the loins of your mind. Because the revelations are going to be coming fast and furious in the last day at the appearing of Jesus Christ. So you better get ready. Gird it up, folks. This is not a time for you to be laying back on the chair like I was over there. This is a time for you to be watching. You're ready. What's the example in the Bible? I, I, I love this. I love this story in 1 Kings chapter 19. <clears throat> the Bible says that when... Elijah found Elisha. He threw that mantle over him. And he, uh, he told him, he said, what have I got to do with thee? But Elisha had a revelation to follow Elisha, Elijah and to minister to him. And Brother Branham says that a lot of what he did was just pour water over his hands when he would eat a meal. But he was all the time watching Elijah because he was learning from Elijah all the time. He was there following him and going with him and he'd sit behind him. And he'd be watching Elijah all the time because he, he, he knew there was a job for him to come. And then at the end of it, Elijah says, when Elijah's life is over, he says, what have I to do with thee? And he says, a double portion of your spirit. And what's the condition, he says? Ask what I will do for thee, he says, before I be taken. And Elijah says, I pray a double portion of thy spirit be upon me. And he says, thou hast asked a hard thing. But he said, I'll tell you what, if thou see me when I'm taken from you, he said, it shall be. So the thing that Elisha had to do in that, last, in that last event of Elijah's life is to keep his eye on Elijah. And Elijah, you know, he wanted to go to Walmart. Hey, I'm with you. I'm going, I'm going with you. Yes, sir. We were here last Sunday, weren't we? Wherever he goes, I'm going. Whatever he does, I'm going to do it with him. If he goes to the cafeteria, I'm in the cafeteria with him. No matter where, no matter where he decides to go, the only way I'm going to get what I need is to keep my eyes right on him. So, you know what? Tough luck. And Elijah a couple of times tries to send him off in another direction. He says, nope, ain't going to work. I'm right here. And you know what? In the morning you wake up, he'd be right there. At bedtime, he'd be right there. Because his, eye, his whole job was, the whole thing was, keep his eye on him. That's what he had to do was keep his eye on him. And you know what he was doing in that time? 
He was waiting for whatever God had for him was going to come because he kept his eye on him. So he was not sitting there saying, well, you know what? If it's meant to be, it's meant to be. And if it's going to happen, it's going to happen. So I can do what I want. I can go play. Uh, you know, I can get involved in sports or I can get involved in this or that. Uh, it doesn't really matter. I don't need to be dedicated at all because if God said it's going to happen anyway. That wasn't Elijah's, Elisha's attitude. Elisha's attitude was, what's on the agenda for today for us? Because we're going together. Every, and his whole energy was in watching what God was doing in Elijah because that made it possible for whatever God had for him to come to him. Am I making sense? So he was not sitting there passively, but he's pursuing Elijah everywhere Elijah goes. He's following Elijah everywhere he goes. And if Elijah went to pray for the sick, he was right there. If he went to church, he was right there. He had a passion to follow the thing that God was doing. Because that was his key to getting what God had for him. They that wait upon the Lord. You know what? We're, our job is not to just sit passively here and uh, you know, try to uh, glean what we can from the internet. And uh, you know, killing time. Immersing yourself in a career to the place where you don't have time to pray or or go to church, or anything else, or we pursue this or that or something else. And it's easy, folks. It's easy in our time to get involved in whatever. And, and you, you, now you have lots of big companies that have lots of big bank accounts, and they're trying to buy young people who are smart and bright to work for them and stay with them and work like crazy and work like crazy and work like crazy. Because they want to have this pool of young energy and resources for years to come. And so there, there's lots of diversions in life. So all I'm saying is lots of diversions in life uh, for you to get your eye off the important thing onto other things. I'm not saying they're evil. I'm just saying that there are lots of opportunities, right? There are, you know, lots of things that I could be doing this, I could be doing that, and I could be doing something else. But Elijah's testimony, and he heard it right here from Elijah himself, keep your eye on me. And he says, watch what happens. He said, and if it's not so, then he said, and then uh, he says, but if not, it shall not be so. If you don't keep your eye on me, then God's not obligated to you at all uh, to do anything for you. But if you keep your eye on me. So Elijah says, hey, my, my life's goal, my life's journey was just defined by God. And so you know what? We're together, buddy. It's you and me together. And I don't care what he's doing. And I don't care what he's doing. And I don't care what they're doing over there. It's me and you. Because God told me to keep my eye. Not on what everybody else is doing. He told me to keep my eye on you. So you've got to ask the question, what are you keeping your eye on? Right? Are, are, are we waiting on the Lord? And let me tell you, I'm going to focus on the thing that God is doing at this particular point. Because when I have my eye focused on that, then the thing that God has for me becomes accessible to me. When I keep my eye on the thing that God is doing, then the thing that God has for me becomes accessible to me. Three is always lucky. When we focus on the things that God is actually doing, and when when we focus on those things, we're acknowledging God is present in that. God is there. We're not, we're not running away from God like the people in those churches Brother Bram was talking about. But we, we believe that God is actually present. God's actually doing something in the earth. 
And, and when, we, when we focus on the thing that God is doing, then what God has for me becomes accessible. If you're focused on the world, or you're focused on a career, or you're focused on something else. Now, I know we got to work and make money and, you know, uh, pay for a car and all that. I know that. But that's not my primary love. That's not my primary concern. Jesus said, seek first the kingdom of God. We're going to wait on the kingdom. We're going to wait on God. That's first. All the other things will be added unto you. But let's, let's focus on the things of God that are happening right now. And then all the other things will become to you. Everything else you need will be accessible to you. And everything you need to become will actually be available to you because you're keeping your eye on the right thing. And that's what Paul is praying in Ephesians chapter 1. That God would give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. But the only way you're going to be able to do it is to see the God of this present hour and the fact that God... Send a prophet in this last day, and God, he brought a message to us, and all of those things that, that are really the evidence of God among us. Because he's not supposed to come here in a body, in sandals. He's not supposed to come here in a physical body. Somebody say amen. He's not supposed to come in a physical body in the last day. He comes in a spirit form through a prophet, bringing a message of the hour to unveil Christ to us. And Brother Branham says in this, in this broken cisterns here, he says he makes three comings. And he says the first one, he said he comes as... Um, to redeem his bride, and it comes the second time as a rapture to take away his bride, and it comes the third time, king and queen. And he said that's when many people are expecting him uh, to come. So he's going to come out of the eastern skies. But when he comes this time, he's talking about the second time, hardly none but those who are ready will know. I submit to you that if this is your position, you probably won't know. Because you can become dulled by the things of the world. You can become dulled by Disney+. Plus. You can become dulled in your spiritual sensitivity by other people. Brother Bram said, pastor will try to get it out of you. He said, you know, your neighbors will try to get it out of you. Your family will try to get it out of you. In other words, trying to distract you in some way. And you get your eyes off the thing that's important onto things that don't matter. Or say it this way. You get your eyes off the superior reality over onto an inferior reality. I'd have to say that TV is an inferior reality. I'd have to say that the internet is a real inferior reality. It's a bunch of junk, a lot of it. There are lots of inferior competing realities in our world, but there's one true one. And God wants you to keep your eye on the true one. But when he comes this time, hardly none but those who will know. Who are ready will know when he comes. There'll just be an absence of people. They'll be gone. So if you're looking for some evidence that there's going to be a rapture, the evidence is that there is no evidence. They're gone. There'll be an absence of people. Poof. Gone. There'll just be an absence of people, and they won't know what happened to them. Caught away. Come up missing. Changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. So what does he say to do? Be ready for that. Keep before God. That's what he says. You want to, be, you want to go in, in, the, in the catching away of God's people? And you want to be ready for that. Me and you, buddy, right to the end. I don't, I don't care what you're doing. I don't care what you're doing. It's me and you right to the end. I'm going to keep my eye on that. That's what he's saying. So just be ready for that. Keep, your, keep before God. 
You, if you go to the left, I'm going to the left. If you go to the right, I'm going to the right. It doesn't matter. This is not complicated, folks. Let's have our musicians come up to the front. This is not hard. This is just, this is what a prophet tells us, that if you're going to be in the catching away, you keep your eye on God. Because this is exact. He's given us the order of things. Comes three times. First time to redeem. Second time to catch away. Third time with his bride. He says, that's, that's how it's going to happen. He says, now people have their expectations messed up, but that's okay. He says, in this, in this, in this time, in this catching away, It'll really just be an absence of people. My goodness, that's not when you want to get serious. When the pastor's missing and nobody knows where he is, that's not when you want to get serious. That's not when you want to haul out your checkbook and say, now how much do I owe in tithes? <laughs> better, better get it right and add a little. It's going to be a little late. Or I need to make things right with my brother when it comes to that. And there's, now, it'll be a little late. Today is the day. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day for you to be ready because I want to be waiting on the Lord. They that wait upon the Lord shall renew their strength. And waiting on the Lord is not a passive thing. Waiting on the Lord is an intensive thing. It's, it's got focus. It's got purpose. It's got definition. It's got a determination about it. Waiting on the Lord is not just kind of putting your feet up and letting everything else happen there. And for God to pick you up and throw you in uh, to the wedding supper. I believe these are people who, when, when they come down to that hour, they'll say, that's it. That's exactly right. And off they go. It'll be another step, Brother Brandon said. Not, an, not something new. It'll be another step in that journey that'll take them there. Because they're walking all the time with God. They're waiting on God. They're walking all the time. They're following Him. And wherever God goes, that's where they're going. Let's stand to our feet. Wherever God's going, whatever God's doing, whatever is happening, hey, that's what, that's what God's watching for. And I think that's the quality that he wants to see in the people. That's the quality that he wants to see in us. But hey, if there's something in the pathway, let's move it out of the way. Something I need to make right, let's make it right. Let's move it out of the way. If there's something that in my life that needs to be corrected or needs to be reproved or something, Lord, show it to me. We should all be saying, search my heart, O God. And know me on the inside. Know me in the deepest part. And if there's something there that I can make right or I can do to change, then Lord, let me be faithful to that. Let me be honest about that. If I need to be baptized, if I need to surrender my life to Christ, then Lord, just make, it, make, it, make that opportunity available. And there is one here today available. Let me tell you, it's possible. And we're excited for Henry coming being baptized. I don't know. I don't know about you, but sometimes I, I preach myself into a position where I'd like to do it again. I'd like for somebody to say, "I'll baptize you over again." I, say, I just, I just feel that way. But I, you know, I feel like I'm, my baptism's good. I think it's all right. And uh, my brother Brandon baptized many people over again, second time. I don't want to be passive. I don't want to be missing something that God has. Hey, I want everything He's got for me. I don't know about you. I don't know if you feel that way, but I do feel that way. And I'm, <laughs> I'm just excited. I, I think it's a great day to be living in. And you know what we do in times like this? We get all excited and tell everybody, Jesus Christ is Lord. Let's sing it this morning. Get all excited. Go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. 
get all excited to tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Come on, get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Get all excited and go tell everybody that Jesus Christ is King. Jesus Christ is still the King of Kings. In the meantime, we are drinking at the springs of living water. Let's sing it this morning. I'm going to uh, step off uh, the platform here and we'll let Brother Keith sing a little bit. Uh, and uh, Henry would like to come and, and prepare to be baptized. And anybody else this morning, I'd be glad to have you uh, today. I'm glad we're drinking. I'm glad God's provided good water for us to drink today. I'm glad that there's an abundant supply of good water for us. Sing it this morning. God bless you. I thirsted in the barren land of sin and shame. And of living water happy now am I my soul they satisfy I'm drinking at the springs of living water oh wonderful and bountiful supply living water from the hills of God makes me glad and happy all the way Grace and blessing mark the path I've trod. I'm shouting hallelujah every day. Oh, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. Won't you come today to Calvary? A fountain there is flowing deep and wide. The Savior now invites you to the water free, where thirsting spirits can be satisfied. Oh, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Oh, wonderful and bountiful supply. Yes, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul they satisfy. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Wonderful and bountiful supply. Yes, I'm drinking at the springs of living water. Happy now am I, my soul is satisfied. I'm drinking at the springs of living water. 
Chains of death seized on my soul Unto the Lord I cried Then Jesus came and made me whole I would not be denied Oh, I would not be denied Oh, I would not be denied Till Jesus came and made me whole I would not be denied As Jacob in the days of old wrestled with the Lord and instant with the courage bold I stood upon his word oh I would not be denied oh I would not be denied till Jesus came and made me whole I would Satan said my Lord was gone and would not hear my prayer. Oh, but praise the Lord, the work is done and Christ the Lord is I'm a brand new man All things have passed away I've been born again More than a conqueror That's what I am I'm a new creation I'm a brand new man Oh, hallelujah, He redeemed me I've been born again to win I thank God He justified me of His fullness have we all received of Him. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. All things are passed away. I've been born again. More than a conqueror. That's what I am. I'm a new creation. I'm a 
I'm a brand new man. Assist Henry as he uh, makes this step in obedience to God's word. And we know that this is, uh, this is something that he has had on his heart for a while, and so uh, we're just trusting that the Lord will honor his commitment this morning. And in a simple way, just in the simple way that he would understand it, that uh, God will accept his sacrifice in his life and just take him and help him to walk in newness of life. So, based on your profession of faith today, Henry... Based on your profession of faith and your desire to walk in obedience to the scripture, we baptize you in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, I've been to the water and I've been baptized. I've been washed in the blood of the Lamb. I've been changed from the creature that I once was. And redeemed is now my name. I've been changed. I've been reborn. All my life has been It makes when the Lord has His way All my life, praise God, has been changed Oh, my sins were as scarlet Now they're white as snow I was bound, but today I am free Oh, I was lost in the darkness But now I'm found I was blind, but now I see Oh, I've been changed, I've been reborn All my life has been re-raised What a difference it makes when the Lord has His way All my life, praise God, has been changed When at last in His presence I stand above He will wipe every tear from my eyes And I'll thank Him for giving a wretch like me A new hope beyond the skies Oh, I've been changed, I've been reborn All my life has been re-raised Oh, what a difference it makes when the Lord has His way. All my life, praise God, has been changed. Oh, when at last in His presence I stand above, He will wipe every tear from my eyes. And I'll thank Him for giving a wretch like me a new home beyond the I've been changed, I've been reborn, all my life has been re-raised. Oh, what a difference it makes when the Lord has His way. All my life, praise God, has been changed. Yeah. 
Yes, I've been changed, I've been reborn, all my life has been re-raised. What a difference it makes when the Lord has His way, all my life, praise God, has been changed. You are beautiful beyond perception. Yes, Lord. Marvelous forward. Wonderful for comprehension. Like nothing ever seen or heard. The depth of your love You are beautiful beyond description Majesty enthroned above I stand, I stand so blessed to be able to come to an assembly like this today Lord and hear directly from you Father the great news of what you have in store Lord Father we are so blessed Lord we just love you so much and we thank you Lord for everything that you've done for us Lord Father, we thank you for little Henry today, Lord. I just always find it so amazing to see such a such a young one, Lord, how you deal with them and then give their heart to you at that young of an age, Lord. We just pray and ask now that you would keep him, Lord. Just walk with him, Father. Just ask you to bless his mom and dad as well, Lord. 
Lord, we, we pray for your blessings on the rest of this week, Lord. Many of us go back into the workplace tomorrow, Lord, where we meet the, meet the enemy head on. But you know that, Lord. We just ask you to guide us and help us to be a light for you, Father, that maybe somebody can see something through us, Lord, that, that they can see that we're different and, and they want to know about that peace that we have when all this destruction and chaos is going on around us and we still have that peace. May they want to know where that come from, Lord, and they can see that. Just forgive us of our sins, Lord, we pray. Lord, for all of those that are suffering, that are recovering from sickness, Lord, those that come to immediate mind, Sister Connie and Brother Troy, Lord, the, the sister in, in Canada, Lord, I pray for my wife and my daughter. Many, many others, Lord, Sister Sharon recovering. Lord, just, just touch them, Father, and be with them this week. We love you, and we'll give you all the praise and glory, Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' name, we press on. God bless you, saints. You're dismissed in the fear of the Lord. In Jesus' name, we press on. Oh